Hey everybody, welcome back to the Back to Brick podcast. I'm your host, Garrett, and this is the podcast where we talk about the bricking news and get to talk with other Lego designers about their cool creations and get to hear about their life with Lego. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for joining us, and if you're a long-time listener, also thank you very much for sticking around and listening to all these cool designer interviews and learning about the news from the past week. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe so you can keep up on all the great content and interviews we have coming up. You can also follow us at Back to Brick 2 on Instagram, and this episode is going to be a continuation of last week's episode with Marius or step on a brick and we're going to continue talking about his great designs and other cool aspects of his lego life so without further ado we'll jump back in for part two and stuff like this really uh, i think this is kind of what most of my thought process and building process uh, goes into it's like trying to to figure out these tiny details because like the rest of the figure i think you can build in a lot of different ways like you could build them with like system bricks or with slopes or with like um, even curved bionicle parts and it would still kind of work, you know? But it's really kind of these details, especially the eyes or, or the face, like the expressions that have to be very close to the reference for people to, to recognize. Because at the end, if like Spyro is like one start longer or shorter, it maybe looks a bit off, but it, it's nothing that people would like bother about, you know? But it's mm-hmm. it, as long as the head isn't the right shape, as long as the eyes are not like the right shape, then it really throws people off. So it's really it kind of like when I when I build uh, stuff like this, like the process is really that at the beginning I make make very small progress like each day, and then there's this moment where I'm like, okay, I figured out like these all these tiny details, and then the rest, even though the rest is now building the entire rest of the figure is usually only like a day or two because it's not that not so much design work anymore oh yeah and at that point you're just like uh what tiny details can i find what can i improve on like you built i bet you have built something completely then realize like ah i missed something i gotta go back and fix it yeah because it's hard especially if you're trying to get as accurate as possible you try to probably reach perfection quite often i don't think that there's a thing like perfection when it comes to lego building to be honest because there's like there's so many different approaches you can take, you know. So I think everybody has like his different interpretation of of what like a Lego model should be. Because like I always see uh, online Lego builders who like only use technic pieces and they create cars and 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 figurines that look so authentic to like the original. And I'm like, this is a completely different approach. I wouldn't go this way because I have very little idea of how to build with Technic. But um, it's like a different approach to the same thing. But I think like with system bricks and, and with the, like the basic Lego system, I think that I really try to yeah get as close as possible, at least like to the point where I'm happy with it. Uh, even if I don't reach that, then some people, you know, uh, still say to me hey this is like for the thunder jaw is a good example because like i'm not hugely obsessed with the model but i don't really have the time or the energy to go back and like make 
a director's cut version of it. <laughs> right. I'm, right. I'm kind of stuck with it. And I've come to accept that I'm not happy with it. But so many people, like, on, I, I, I get a lot of questions about the Fundature. And a lot of people who are like, that's the first model that they see and compliment me on. And I'm like, so it's definitely good enough for other people, you know? So there's no like objective truth where it's like, now the Lego model is perfect. It's like, everybody looks at it a bit differently. And uh, all I can do is kind of try to get as close to my original vision. And what you said earlier with the going back and fixing stuff, that's like a big part of the process, of course. But I always try to minimize that as much as possible because it's so frustrating to really lose a lot of progress over um over the building process of one of these models so i put a lot of thought at the beginning like for example when i found a part where i'm like this part is perfect for a certain detail like for example the sawtooth has lego friends lipsticks as his eyes and that's like one of the first things I, I came up with. I had the idea, oh, this would fit perfectly. But then all subsequent ideas have to fit in that scale. You know, it, like, it doesn't help me to, to find a good part for another, like for his legs or stuff like this, that wouldn't fit in the same scale because then the whole proportions would be off. So as soon as I fixate on like this one part, I have to think about, okay, all subsequent parts have to be in kind of the same scale. And by doing so, I kind of chart, I kind of make a map of like some key elements. And then when I build, I only really try to connect these different sections that I already kind of designed in my head. And that way I try to sort of minimize the, the frustration in maybe realizing it doesn't work and I have to go back thankfully I, I i don't think i ever had to scrap like okay i scrapped a lot of models completely but those models you never saw because i've never finished like a version of them so <laughs> all the models that i finished usually those never had the moment where i had to start from scratch again well, that's nice. <laughs> I wish I had that. I mean, I've <laughs> I've built so many models. I'm I've been working on a Star Wars ship years. It's years because I built one. I'm like, oh, that looks good. And then I come back to it a month later. I'm like, well, that's crap. I got to start over. <laughs> and then you think I'm like, oh, this should be. This is awesome. This is super stable. And then I run like a stability test on Studio, and it's like, nope, no, it's not stable at all. It's gonna fall apart. <laughs> yeah the, the stability problem yeah i have that like there there are a lot of models where they are not as stable as they might appear on the pictures and sometimes i have to fix that retrospectively but thankfully like i always build models like practically so because honestly like if i built them digitally in studio i would have no idea whether or not they hold up or not so i always design them in real life and then they usually, I, I figure out if they are stable or not, uh, stable enough or not. But like uh, in terms of stability, for example, the Bahamut, which is like the biggest model I created yet. That's an example for a model where the model is way too heavy for the frame, for the internal like Lego Technic frame. So if this model is on exhibition for a week, 
then all the technic beams start to bend. And that's a, certainly a design flaw. I don't know if I could fix it because just in terms of how the model is designed, like the huge wings, they will always be a huge burden on the entire figure. So I don't know if there's like a version of it where it's stable enough, but I don't really care because I only put <laughs> it on display for like one or two days, usually at exhibitions. And then I just remove the wings and then it's all good again, you know? So that's, that's kind of the stuff that I also haven't figured out always how it should look and or should work. Yeah. And especially I wish I had the, you know, the brick cataloger collection that you have to do that because every time I build in stud IO, I'm like, oh, this should be fine. Or like, maybe it'll work. I can't bend the tubes in the way that I want that I could do it physically. And you building at that large scale, you have to really know and like feel like, oh, is it, can I move this or is it just going to fall apart if I touch it? Or like blow on it. <laughs> yeah, like especially kind of the, the bending of bricks in studio is something that I'm not really used to. And like for a lot of models, like the Bahama, that's a good example, or the, uh, the Lego bonsai that I built this year, they incorporate like a lot of Lego flex tube. And I love to use Lego flex tube because it's one of the pieces that you can bend and mm -hmm. create like very organic shapes with it. And I think you can bend it in studio as well but i've never figured out how or, or like how these <laughs> controls work so um it's not yeah, easy it's, it's not that. easy no and so this <laughs> is always stuff that's a lot easier if you really have the pricks in hand but then again like i do stuff in studio where i just go through the catalog of prick to like find pricks that kind of work for for the models i want to create so at each like every time i create something new i usually like order like the initial parts that I kind of where I think like they might be suitable for it and like over the years now that like the collection has grown so much I'm at the point where I usually have most parts like not in like usually only in a single color but I at least have the shape so I can try stuff out with it and then when I've built a prototype that's kind of the way I want it to be then I can order the parts in, in the in the in the right color. But of course, like this process is a lot of work on Bricklink because each part that I use, I always have to check on Bricklink. Okay, is it available in the right color and all this stuff? So oh, I yeah. think, like, the colors is always a challenge because you're yeah. like, oh, I know what parts I can use, and then you put it there. You're like, eh, that color doesn't exist, and you're like, Crap. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's so common. Like I. I always like to use, when I use parts that I really have kind of no real idea of, like in which color they are available, like stuff, for example, like wheel arches or stuff like this. I have no idea what colors they are available in. So I always check on Bricklink, oh, is, is this wheel arch available in the right color? But then there are other stuff, like especially plates or tiles, where I have this mindset of, oh, those are available in every color imaginable. And then I build with <laughs> them. And then I go on Bricklink and be like, what? They never came out in this color? <laughs> you know, and then... And that's really like the, the biggest challenge. So these days I check everything all the time. Oh, yeah. And I, I try to do that same where like, oh, I'm just going to design the way I want it to. And then you're like, actually, I feel like I now want to build it in real life. Now I have to go change some things and find the colors and just you have to modify it constantly. And when I look at most of your designs, are most of them 
able to physically build so like anybody could buy these parts like theoretically yes like they are all built with lego and they are all stable enough that they hold as you see them in the picture so in theory everybody could build the models but in reality <laughs> in reality you know it's it's difficult like for me to to really say because like the understanding of how uh, of how the Lego system works, you know, is, diff is, is very different between people. The bonsai is a great example of a model uh, that I created with the clear intention of making instructions for whatever, you know, it's just something I wanted to build. So the, the kind of the internal connections in the model itself, they are very like complicated and kind of messy. And it's really hard to communicate uh, in, in an instructions, you know, there's the central technic beam and then there are bar connectors and to the bar connectors, there's the flex tube and the flex tube is like bent around a spiral to kind of create the trunk. And I could never explain this like in the instructions and I could not read it in studio anyway. But this is kind of the stuff that, that kind of frustrates me like retrospectively because when I posted it, like I got so many messages from people who were like, oh, we love the bonsai, I, I want to buy it, or I want to have instructions for it. Like, especially because that at the time, you know, the, the Lego bonsai set was released. So everybody was like, I want to have a Lego bonsai in my living room. And they were like, oh, this one's so much bigger and, and so much more beautiful, and we want that. And I always had to write, like, I understand, but I literally can't help you, you know, <laughs> because... If you want instructions for it, I would have to design a completely different model. But that's kind of difficult. Like, it's not difficult for, like, Lego people, like AFOLs. They usually understand that, like, okay, this is kind of a more complicated connection or this only really kind of holds for the picture and it kind of falls apart as soon as you did. But, like, people who have nothing, like, really to do with Lego or who only build Lego sets, they usually don't know the difference. And it's always like frustrating to me to disappoint them. First, I got to say, I'm disappointed that you can't make instructions for this because the bonsai was awesome. I'm a huge fan of the bonsai. Like having those eggshells as the uh, flower petals is just so cool. But being a designer, I completely understand. I completely get that, you know, the intricacy of just doing those turns and curves and all the unique parts that you have in the tree are are just so hard to do and like we've talked about with your other models it's it's hard to create them without thinking that they'll fall apart and i'm guessing that that also happens to your commission work right where you have to you know design them in a way that they're stable enough for the clients to build but still you want to be as accurate as possible yeah so yeah there's a, like a, a lot of differences when it comes to like commission work because I always have to think about that the model at the end will be built by people who probably normally don't have too much contact with Lego. So the instructions have to be like very clear, very specific and easy to understand. Um, so there's like a lot of differences. Like, as you said, like it's fundamentally very different in how you approach the design when you just build something for yourself where you're like, your goal is to be as accurate as possible and maybe try like some really odd and weird connections that like normally you don't see in Lego. And then on the other side, you have the, the, the stuff you design where you have to make instructions for it and you already know that in advance. So the design kind of adjusts. And 
And I think like for me, that's like one of the main challenges is to try to design the stuff that you don't really see the difference. But of course, this makes like stuff kind of impossible um, to be designed uh, for, for like instruction stuff. And the bonsai is like, as you said, it's a great example because there are like so many intricate connections and there's so many stability problems with, with the whole model that you really can't make instructions. And it kind of breaks my heart every time, you know, when, when people contact me and ask me if they can have instructions. And I always have to say like, no, because like the only way, you know, I could make them is by completely redesigning the model. And then it would be a completely different model and not the one they see in the picture. And then I'm always thinking like, yeah, they can also just kind of buy the Lego bonsai and build that because <laughs> it was like, because this is like specifically designed for people to be able to recreate, you know. It sucks, but then you realize like it, it's part of the art, you know, you have to build to the way you see it. And sometimes that, I mean, that just dictates it's not built for instructions. It's built the way it's supposed to be seen. And the flip side, you have to adapt it in a way that it still looks similar, but then the instructions come in. And that also comes with scale because, I mean, some of the builds you have are massive and some of them are perfectly sized. You can create them specifically for minifigures or things like that. Yeah, so the like the scale is, is, a, is a big factor um, especially when it comes to stability and especially when it comes to how you approach the design or how, how I approach the design. Like the Bahamut, which is like the biggest model I've made, um, I really, like the first thing I had to design was kind of this inner frame because I couldn't just like kind of start with just the outer plating or the wings. I had to first design a frame that is stable enough and and like large enough for the whole model to, to accommodate, you know, the whole model. While other stuff, like especially the 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 robots that I built most recently, they they all um they are so tiny, you know, that I can really focus on all these little details and can build stuff that doesn't really have to be stable or hold up, you know. Um so that's definitely like two different approaches to 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 how to how to design these models. And um, at the end, you know, stuff like the Bahamut, when, because we talked about instructions and we talked about commission work, and that's kind of also a model that you really, you can exhibit, but you can't really like give it to other people or sell it just because it's so heavy and so large and it needs to be disassembled for exhibitions and stuff. So it really... When I bring it to exhibitions, I always just place it, put on the wings and like after two to three days you know the parts bend and and all this kind of stuff <laughs> it's a lot of weight <laughs> yeah exactly and you can do this like with with stuff you design for yourself that's like not a problem but as soon as like you expect other people to recreate it or you you expect other people to to like handle the model then of course you have to design it very differently and i'm I'm not an expert when it comes to this, you know. Of course I'm not. Like the people at Lego, they they have like whole teams who are like try to figure out how can we design something that like everybody, kids and adults understand how to assemble it. And um I'm just kind of trying, but sometimes you don't you don't see the the, the forest because of the trees, you know. Sometimes you're so invested in all these little details that you don't really see like, oh, this might be very difficult to like, you know, explaining and instructions so commission work in 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 this sense is, is definitely harder than just 
building models like for themselves. But the great thing is that always when I design a model with instructions in mind, you know, when people ask about instructions, I can always go like, here you go, instructions. And that's, and that's great because it makes people very happy. Yeah, especially with weight, you have to consider all of those. Then you have to consider the flexibility of things. And most people, you know, will move and want that design to stay with them. And it, it's definitely hard. And then you have to adapt your model, which changes it. Then it, it just gets complicated. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about, you know, some of the instructions you built, but this is just your past work. W what are you thinking about doing in the future? I know we talked a little bit offline about you know, some more commission work, but do you have any personal builds you're working on? Yeah, so I have actually like a bunch of different work in progress builds I always kind of uh, build off because um, for me, I have this folder on my computer, you know, with like a lot of reference material where it's all, all kinds of stuff that I like eventually want to build at some point in my life um, from video games, from movies, like all the stuff that I see where I'm like, this would make a great Lego build. But I usually um, have ideas, you know, for like very specific details for some builds. And then I build like small prototypes, like for example, a head or, or just the eyes or something like this. And then it usually sits in the corner for months, sometimes years, um, just because I don't really have any further good ideas you know to to advance the design or sometimes i'm kind of waiting for certain parts to come out in the right color so i have a lot of different like prototypes and then i have like one section of builds which are really the builds that have progressed very far which are like 50 to 90 percent done so kind of my active work in progress builds and there I have um, also multiple at the moment. So I don't really know which one will be the one I post next. But there's, the, there's one model um, that I talked to you offline about, which um, I've, I'm very passionate about because I really like the design. And it's based on the movie uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, which came out like two or three years ago. And... I watched that movie and I'm like, I, I really like enjoy superhero hero movies in general. Like I, I love movies in general, you know, but those specifically. And I always wanted to build like a, a figurine of like a human because I've, I've built a bunch of creatures and I've built like mini fixed scale builds, but I've never really designed like a human character um, just like in this pure form kind of. And um, Spider-Man has like such a cool suit design, but there are like a lot of challenges with it. And especially like if you look at the old Spider-Man movies, like this, the, the I say old, they are not really that old, but for me, like they old, <laughs> like the Sam Raimi. <laughs> the the Tobey Maguire, all those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the Tobey Maguire movies, his suit had this like spider web pattern, you know, with the, with the strings all around. And that's, like very difficult to make in Lego. Like I saw that and I was like, I can't really build that well because Lego just doesn't have such thin pieces. You would have to use string or something and then you had to cover the, the whole figure in it. And I don't think that would look good. Um, but when like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Wars came out, like the ma main character there then was Miles Morales. 
you know. And he had this completely new design suit, which was completely black with just a few kind of red markings, like the red spider at the front and, and on the shoulders. And I love the suit design. And especially I like how he wears it in, in the movie because he usually has this um, dark green jacket over it and, and the shorts and the, the Nike sneakers and, and all this stuff. And I, I saw that and I was like, immediately, I want to build this in Lego. And I think like the first month after the movie came out, I immediately started trying to figure out how to build it. And one of the first ideas I had was to use like white Lego, uh, like like dishes. It's kind of like, I think the official term on Bricklink is like a tray or something like this. I think there was a minifigure uh, who was a butler who had it in his hand. But those are like these oval-shaped white pieces. And they kind of mimic the shape of his eyes, like of the eyes of the suit, like perfectly. And this was the first idea I had for the build. And I um, built the head like within a week, I would say. But the rest of his suit gave me a lot of trouble. Because like, as I said earlier, I don't really have that much experience with building people. So getting the proportions right was a huge challenge. And that was really, like we talked earlier in the episode, we talked about um, starting from scratch. And I didn't start from scratch every time, but I think I made significant progress. Like I built a chest and I built like an arm and realized this is not going to work. This doesn't look right. <laughs> this just looks off. And then I kind of scrapped this, but I always kept the head. Like the head is pretty much unchanged for like the last three years, but everything else like constantly changed. And I think like one or two months ago was really the point where I reached the design that I was happy with. So now the figure is like um, 90, 99% done. Like there are only very small details missing. So I think. This might be the next model that I post. Maybe it's gonna be, uh, maybe it's gonna take like a few more weeks. I don't know, but but it's, it's, I'm sure I'm gonna post it this this year. Um, so I'm and I'm really excited about sharing this build because, as I said, like this has been a passion project for like the last two years, and it's always great to like finally have this moment we're like happy with it you know especially if you put so much thought over so long a time into these models oh yeah now um do you know how many pieces it is it's not that many actually but i don't know i would guess something like 500 to 600 oh wow that's i was gonna expect you to say like two to three thousand uh <laughs> no it's but it's, it's it's actually not that big of a build, you know. I, I always try to to keep it like as small as possible, kind of. So it's I think it's roughly like twenty-five to thirty centimeters. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know that's yeah, the wrong metric. That... Well <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a conversion. One inch is two point five four, divide that all out, and it sounds like it's not that big. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh that's that's nice because then it's you know it's still a compact design but you're still getting the design you want which especially i think it's honestly harder when you make something small 
because then you have to work with fewer pieces, but still get the point across that like, hey, this is what I'm going for. Do you see it? Question mark. Or is it just yeah. me? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly the point. Like for this, I didn't like actively decide to build it at that scale, but like I always kept this first idea of these like um, dish pieces for his eyes, so they always like dictated the size. I couldn't like just make it bigger um, because the head already had like this fixed uh, scale. And I think this is actually one of the things I struggled most um, with while building it was getting all these details and getting the right proportions at this comparatively small size. But I'm really happy now with the finished result because it kind of reminds me of like the Bionicle figures because it's kind of like has the same scale and it kind of the same proportions. And I love Bionicle. So I'm, I'm glad I could kind of get closer and closer like over the years i got closer and closer to designing stuff that's very similar to like the the ethos of those old like action figures and that's and the spider-man is definitely the most action figure-esque thing i've Mm -hmm. I've designed so far that's i love action figures we were just watching some marvel stuff and just we got chills my wife and i because we love it All all the new marvel stuff coming out like i'd love a uh, a cool Iron Man face mask or like his repulsor uh, arm. And uh, uh, same with like Thanos. Is, that's actually my picture here on Discord is uh, just Thanos and his armor. It's action figures are, are really cool. And definitely with detailing, it's hard to do in a Lego form. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like like figures in general, like like their faces and the expressions and the armors and all the details is always like uh, very tough to get accurately but there, i mean there is there are a lot of amazing um lego builders who who kind of create these action figures like i actually built um a model from another designer from Choss chafer on on flickr who who designed the skull kit i don't know if you've seen that and he made instructions for it and i've built it uh based on his instructions and i love that figure as well like that's the great thing about kind of the Lego online community is that you like you're constantly learning from one another. You know, there are always um, I always see builds where I'm like fascinated about how people kind of achieved the design. And um, if you look closely at like if you really study like how people um, came up with that, then it kind of improves your own builds again. And that's kind of the the cycle of the of the Lego online community. You know that kind of the whole like everybody kind of improves off of each other and that's that's just great to see yeah it is and that's the point of the community i think is don't it's not against each other it's just about you know helping in some ways even just being creative and seeing how somebody built something and you message them hey how did you do that and most of the time people share it because they want to see you and how you can use that same technique in a different way yeah like that's that that's that's the great thing is that people normally there's there's not a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to this like people are normally like very open in in sharing uh the techniques that they came up with i mean some people even like go as far as make like very detailed tutorials with pictures and i don't really have the time to do that unfortunately um (laughs) it's very time consuming yeah it is like 
I, it's always already very time consuming once I finish the build to like photograph it and, and edit the pictures and all this kind of stuff. If I imagine like doing this for each individual step or like for connections, oh my God, like I would do nothing else the entire day probably. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I completely agree because just building instructions almost takes twice as long sometimes. That's, that's always the difficult part. You know, we'll wrap up this two part because if you're still listening, everyone, this is part two uh, <laughs> with the hard question that I like to end with is how do you think Lego has really impacted your life? Yeah, I, again, we talked about this like like offline a lot. And um, it's really it's, it's a difficult question for me to answer because, um, as I said earlier, you know, I didn't really have a dark age. So Lego, for me, it was always around like I started buying and building lego when i was a kid and since then i kind of never stopped and like today i'm still like on the younger side when it comes to the a4 community you know now i'm i'm 24 so i've been pretty much collecting and building lego for the last like 20 years and i've been really like actively designing my own stuff for the last like five to six years and like thinking back I can't even really imagine my life uh, without Lego. It's just so it's such such an integral part of of like the way I kind of even communicate, you know? It's it's kind of all, almost its own language. Like we we talked about a lot of different stuff. Um but I think one thing that came kind of clear was like my love for video games and movies and your love for for like the, the same stuff and um you talk about like the, the i don't know the newest marvel movie or the newest video game and it's great that other people enjoy it but if you can create like lego models based on those things and share them it kind of enriches the the whole kind of fan community around it and um we touched on that earlier is that it inspires other people to be creative and and your creativity is also kind of based on on what other people already created. And like the one thing I really love about Lego is that as a medium, it's so approachable because so many people, like pretty much everybody has like some kind of memory, you know, as a kid uh, building with Lego, they know kind of the parts. Of course, like most people are not that invested in it, like, the, the, the like the a4 community is but people still um kind of know how the system works in a way so i think like if they would see other kinds of art like for example like a beautiful picture or beautiful drawing people usually go like yeah i can't do this i can't draw and i'm the same way you know i also can't draw so i'm like yeah i can never make anything like this but with lego people kind of see this and and like see the creations that i make and they often their reaction is like oh my god that's that's lego um i remember like this part i remember those pieces i've built with this as a kid and it's kind of such a low entry point to the whole being of being creative you know and and i always hope that the models that i make kind of inspire people to maybe start building lego you know maybe do this stuff to express themselves or maybe do like completely different creations um uh be creative in in other ways but it it kind of 
it's such a nice starting point, you know, for for everybody. So I think that Lego in, in this form is such an integral part, you know, of the way that I kind of express myself as an artist, if you will, um, even though I don't like the term too much because it's kind of sounds like it's a job, but it's not like everybody is kind of, uh, is, is an artist, you know, everybody creates constantly and it's just a, a question of how do you present it? How do you communicate it to others? And I think, as I said, Lego is such a, it's, it's, it's such a great medium. It's like a language that people understand and you can talk to with each other. And especially like nowadays when you don't see people uh, too much offline, you know, and uh, you don't have the exhibitions, but you still have like this vivid online community and you have connections with, with people that you might otherwise don't even, you know, have any contact. And especially with the stuff that I made, which is based like on video games and, and um, on movies and stuff. And the contact that I got from people, like from artists, from concept artists, from game designers, um, that enriched like my perspective on on uh, all kinds, all aspects of like being creative so much, you know, that I think it's it's really, yeah, I I I I don't think I can overemphasize how integral. Lego has been to uh, like in my life. I think I I kind of keep my answer at that. It's a long answer already. <laughs> oh, I mean, but it doesn't matter the length. It just you explained exactly how you feel, and I we talked about it that it's almost like Inception, where you uh, a dream of a dream of a dream. This is just you built your art from the video games that they designed. Then you built yours at a Lego. Then somebody else did their own design, like from your lego and like overall the idea and having the community just it it just fuels that it it makes it not only your imagination and your joy of doing it but somebody else's and yeah the same with anything somebody might love titanfall 2 and then they see your designs and they're like wow that's it i love that build that that's the robot i use like primarily for my titanfall game or you've built some of the avatar ships in the mecha suit and i the first thing i saw it i was like yep i remember that where he uh he has to punch out the glass and do his th and that's the whole point of being a designer um and to some levels an artist because you're you're using whatever medium you enjoy to create something that you enjoy in life. And I think all of your designs really show us that that's what you think. And I, I cannot wait to see your Spider-Man, your Morales. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what else is coming because I know it's going to be great. Um, and I, really I think a lot of other people are going to enjoy it too. I, I, I hope so. I hope it lives up to the, <laughs> to the expectations now. As I, as I yeah, I've hyped it. I've hyped it up a lot. This is yeah, this is just. Yeah. But I don't think the hype is not deserving. So to all those people out there, please definitely go check out Marius's work. He's got his steponabrick.com, step on step on a brick on Instagram, and then stepped on a brick on Twitter because yeah. they didn't have step on a brick, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that too. Pretty pretty bumpy ride here with the with the name. <laughs> I, I really, but I can't change my Twitter handle. It's it's just the way it is. You got to just find the original person that has it and tell them, like, you'll buy it off of them. I'll build yeah. you a cool Lego. And then can I have it? And they'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
for everyone, please uh, check out his work. And uh, Marius, thank you for coming on today. I know we've had some bumps with technology, but I really appreciate you sticking through it. And you know, you know, you're staying up a little later than expected. I really enjoyed talking with you, and I hope you enjoyed just as much as I did. Absolutely, no problem. I love talking to you. I really enjoyed the time. It was great having the opportunity to to talk about all this kind of stuff to monologue a bit <laughs> in between. Um, it was great, especially like without exhibitions uh, last year, without really having uh, in-person community events. It was great, like just sitting here, you know, talking about Lego for for two hours, three hours, something like this. So, something like yeah. that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope we can talk again. You're always invited on the show again, and we'll just continue chit-chat. But again, Marius, everybody check out his work, and thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Bye. And for everybody, please check out his site. I'm going to post them in our description and on our website. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you taking your time for these interviews, and I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something. I mean, honestly, like for me, it's like 2 a.m. in the morning. So if it's 2 a.m. in the morning or if it's 3 a.m. in the morning, really doesn't matter anymore.